How are we doing? Good, 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 good. If you have your Bibles, yeah, Bibles, grab them. Uh, Mark chapter 6, we'll be there in a few minutes. Uh, just want to say thank you so much for the sweet words. Franklin is not in here, but he is fired. Um, as that was the, uh, we always gather before service and pray and go over service and stuff. Uh, y'all did not let me in on the, uh, anyway, Franklin's fired. Um, so if you know any media guys, just see me after service. Uh, no. Thank you, thank you, thank you again uh, for the sweet words. Um, I do count it a privilege and honor to, uh, to be uh, in your shepherd. Um, and so uh, I love just getting to do this together, to, to, to seek, seek the Lord, to walk with Jesus, to, um, and to just do life uh, the, the, way, the way it has been for me um, as a transplant from West Virginia over the last 15 years, my family and I, church has been family. I mean, like, like this, like this you're, you're people. Um, and th- there are a ton of people we have to say no to because, I mean, family comes first. And, and so uh, we, we, we don't take that lightly, and we count it an honor uh, and a privilege uh, to be a part uh, of your family. Uh, and it blows my mind the fact that God has called me to do this. Um, but he is greater and smarter than I could ever ever even be close to. And so I'll, I'll trust him and keep walking. Trust him and keep walking. But thank you uh, very, very much uh, for your sweet words and your support. Um, so this morning, okay, enough of the gushy stuff. Let's, um, let's, let's talk about this morning. This is what we're going to do. We're just going to be in chapter 6 of Mark here. And as we're here in chapter 6, uh, we're going to look at three different situations. I wanted to do the whole chapter of Mark 6, but as you know, for me, uh, three verses can take uh, 45 minutes. So uh, we've got 30, almost 30 this morning. So I've, I've condensed that down, and we're just going to, uh, unless God leaves or something crazy happens, we're going to go uh, three different situations where we see some dependency on God, where it's just modeled for, for the disciples of Jesus, where, where Jesus models that and talks about that and kind of points uh, to that. So uh, that's where we're going to be this morning. I'm going to ask you to uh, uh, join me one more time as we pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in uh, we'll jump in and see where, where, where God takes us, what he's got for us. Father, help us this morning to hear from you. That's all I'm asking. God, that you would speak, that you would move. Father, your presence is evident in this place already. Thank you for the truth that has been proclaimed through song. Uh, Father, for those who have cried out on behalf of others. Father, for, the, for those who are, are seeking you in spirit and truth, God, move in mighty, mighty ways, Lord. Help me this morning to be obedient. Help me to follow you, God. Father, work me over as I preach this, God, even in my life, the areas of my life that you need to press on. Father, press on us. Draw us all the more deeper into relationship with you. And Father, if there be one here that don't have relationship with you as their Lord and Savior, oh God, would you make them aware? Would you awaken them to that reality and their need for you? And Father, may dependence be found in you and you alone today. God, bring them to life. Shame we pray. Amen. Amen. First thing we're going to see here in Mark 6 in the first few verses is this, is that it's hard to reach those who know you. It's hard to reach sometimes uh, or share the gospel or walk out Jesus or tell people about Jesus. Uh, those who know you, and that, that's what we're going to see. Uh, that's what we're going to see here in these next few verses. Um, I was talking to a buddy this week, and as I was talking to uh, one of my good friends, we're, we're chatting and uh, just, just asking what God's doing in your life, those type of things. And he had said that he had uh, spent some time with some, some of his friends. His heart is to reach those that he went to high school with uh, because this buddy of mine uh, was not a godly uh, man in high school, was probably the complete opposite. And so uh, 
Um, uh, God saved him, rescued him from his sin, saved him, and as a result of that, God has burdened him uh, to try to reach those whom he, uh, whom he went to high school with, whom he uh, knows. He, st- he still lives here in, in this area, and so do many of his friends, and so uh, he told me that he spent some time with, with some of his friends recently, and as they get together, he's like, Scott, all they want to do is relive uh, the glory days, you know what I'm saying? Yes, this is mine. S. Miller is me. Um, uh, and I did play football. I know it may not look like it, but I did. No, you do not know me around here because I was from West Virginia, but I was really good about it there. Anyways, um, you have to search it, Google it later. Um, but uh, I really wasn't. I mean, I, we, we were in the wish, but wishbone, and I wasn't fast, so I just handed it to my running backs. So that can't be that hard to be quarterback. If you just, right, coach? You just hand it to the running back, let them do the work. They get all the glory. Um, so, but he, he was telling me that, that, that he would... Um, get with them, and as he would get with them and try to just share and talk and catch up a little bit, they would always want to go back to the glory days. But he said the glory days, it wasn't like, like, like on the football field, it was like the dumb, sinful, rebellious stuff that they did, that they participated in, the way they acted, the way that they treated people, the way that they, and he's just like, oh, it's got to just, it just, it just, stir, it just, oh, I hated it. I hate, I hate, and I would always try to turn the conversation, and uh, they would always kind of just go back to that, they didn't want to hear much about, and, and, and I, I can relate, I understand. And I get that. And that's what we're going to see here in Mark 6, 1. Look at what it says. It says, he went away uh, from there and came to his hometown. So this is Jesus. Jesus with his disciples. We're going to see that. He goes, goes away from where he was at, and he comes to his hometown. His hometown is Nazareth, right? That's where, that's where um, home base is. That's where mom and dad, that's where the house, that's where uh, he grew up. So he comes back to his hometown, Nazareth, and his disciples follow him. And so what that lets us know, that this trip isn't just a leisurely trip. It's not just a, hey, let's go back and see mom and dad for a little bit. Let's, let's catch up with the siblings. Hey, let's catch that game on Friday night, guys. Disciples, you can come with me. I'll, I'll introduce you to all my uh, friends, all my, uh, my people. Like, like I'll, I'll introduce you to coach after the game. It was not what this trip was about. Jesus is on mission here. And what he's ultimately going to do is he's going to uh, model for his disciples because it's going to come very, very soon what he's going to ask them to do. And he's going to model for them and show them and walk out what he is going to uh, put on them to do. Verse 2 says this, and so on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished. I want you to just kind of hold on to that for for a few minutes. Many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? So, So they they are aware, and they even begin to question. But the questioning did not lead them into a deeper reality of who God is, a greater understanding of who is standing before them. Instead, they go a different way. The sad reality is this, is that they're astonished they're not given over to. Do you see what it says there? Many who heard him were astonished. Like they are amazed at what's happening. Like this Jesus that they know, he's back home. And he begins to share and he begins to tell some things. And not to mention stories have spread. I mean, they're aware of the miracles. They're aware of what happened. They, uh, they know stories have spread. And they even say that there, man, this wisdom. And how does he teach like this? How does he know and understand uh, these things? Uh, these mighty works done by his hand. This is Jesus. Like, like I was, he was my neighbor, Jesus. Like, that boy was out in the backyard building stuff at age three. I mean, yeah, he was a genius, but it's Jesus. How was he doing these things? And so astonishment turns quickly. And so 
not a picture of the church today. Yeah, Jesus is great. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is good. Jesus is cool. But maybe that astonishment isn't enough to get us to the place where we're given over to. Because as great as he is, as awesome as he is, as glorious as he is, as much as he has done, as much as I've seen him do, I just can't get to the place where I give him my whole life. I can't, just can't get to that place where I give him my family. I, can't, I just can't get to that place where I give him uh, uh, my job. I can't, can't get to that place where I give him uh, control of my finances. I can't get to that place where I give him uh, uh, control of me stepping out and being bold for the faith and shit. I just, what if? Yeah, yeah, Jesus is great, and I've seen him done, and I've heard the stories. I know about him. I'm astonished by, moved by, but not enough to be given over to. Look, 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 at, look at three. It says, is, is not this the carpenter? So he's going to break it down. He's going to start to give like the roll call uh, of Mary, his mom, and his brother James, and, and his other siblings there. And, and are not his sisters here with us? So, so they begin to think about and they begin to run through their mind. Okay, uh, they're astonished at all that he's done. But they quickly uh, remember back and reflect on uh, uh, who he belongs to, where he's come from, who he's connected to. And look at their response. And they took offense at him. They took offense at him. So now it goes from being astonished to being offended. They just couldn't see Jesus past his upbringing and his family trade. They couldn't see Jesus past who he was connected to, past where he came from. And so astonishment turns to offense. Now, I don't know about you, but this is one of the things that just, just, just eats at me. Maybe because every one of us in this room has got a past, don't we? Every one of us. There's not one of us in this room exempt from a past. And even like, even if okay, maybe your past isn't as colorful as other people's or isn't as uh, uh, interesting and maybe not kid-friendly as others, there's still a past of lostness. And the hell that you are going to bust wide open as a not bad sin, sinful person, lost person, it is just as horrific as, as the person or the lady of the night or the gentleman that has d- done whatever. Just as bad because lost and sin, undone, needing a savior, you die in that. The penalty's the same. The penalty, no matter how cute you want to try to package it, we've all got a past. And that past will be brought up before us often, right? Like our enemy is an accuser. So he's going to do everything he can to try to remind us of that, try to help people remind us of that, to have uh, people have that ever before us. And so quickly what we see here in this story is astonishment turns to offense. Astonishment turns to offense. I would even maybe venture to say that one of those reasons here in this particular moment is because of conviction. Well, dang, if, if we have to come under and submit to what Jesus is saying and what he's teaching, We know his past. We can justify it like that. There's no way he could be. There's no way that he could do that or be viewed like that. We've got to be able to explain it better than that. He can't be. And so maybe conviction stirs there because of the way that Jesus taught, the way that Jesus lived was different than what they were used to, different than what they saw, and they knew where he'd come from. They knew where he'd come from. And so we all have a past. We all have a past, but what I want to tell you this morning, this believer, Christian, follower of Jesus, the scriptures teach that we may have a past, but in Christ we are a new creation. 
And so what was dead, ugly, and nasty has been alive and his sin has been resurrected. It has been given new life. So what do we do? We keep plugging along. We keep plugging along no matter what someone says, no matter what someone thinks, no matter what someone may do. They may give us the, oh, you, you, you're, you're a Christian, or, or that, that person is a Christian, or uh, they're a follower, Scott, you, pastor? See, Scott, you, you, I mean, you can fill in the blanks there. However, whatever they may drag, whatever they may say, they may do, but, but we've got to remember who we are and what he has done in us. And the old man is dead. The old woman is dead. And so though we have a past, we have a glorious future that has been redeemed. And we are instruments in his hand. Instruments in his hand. So, so I, just, I just want to press you here this morning. I don't know who it is in your past that you need to talk to about Jesus, but you keep, you keep going. And, and if they won't hear it, that's fine. Don't speak a word. Just pray. Just, just pray and ask God to move and send someone who Send someone who will be able to reach them, who will be able to share with them, who will be able to let them know how great and glorious and how much in need of Jesus they truly are. Verse 4 says this, and Jesus said to them. So Jesus is going to uh, kind of break this down uh, for his, his disciples. He's going to break it down for us. Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. The hardest ones to reach are the ones that know you. The hardest ones to reach are the ones that know the story about you. It's almost like here, like Jesus is like, like an Old Testament prophet whose words were often rejected by what the hearers that knew him, rejected by those who knew best. That's what Jesus is saying. Plugging, we keep going. Verse 5 says this, and he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of belief, and he went about among the villages teaching. And this was because Jesus couldn't heal. This was because their faith was not there. Jesus was looking for faithful people. And so the few that he found as he was leaving, he heals. He lays, hand, he lays hands on them. And as far as we know, the sad part about this story is this. As far as we know, we see Jesus ever circling back to Nazareth. We see this, this, from what we see and what we gather, what we can study and read, that this was his last trip, last visit back home. And this was their response to him. This was their response. to. And so what happens? He, he leaves and he goes on to the next village. And so he does very little in his hometown because of their unwillingness and unfaithfulness and their unbelief. So, so, so what, do we, what do we take away from this? What, what do we draw from this? I'm happy you asked. Here we are. Those closest to us may be hard to reach. Let's talk the talk and walk the walk. Let them say whatever they want to say. We're going to keep on plugging on. We're going to keep on seeking Jesus. We're going to keep on walking with him. We're going to keep on him to, to transform and to shape and to mold us all the more. Talk as well as back it up with walking it. So, so it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what their opinion may be. It doesn't matter uh, what they may think because the reality is this. The only one whose opinion matters is Jesus. So we're going to press in all the more and allow him to do a work in us all the great us and mold us. So we're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. And as we do that, we can pray for. Nobody can stop me from praying for that person in my past that needs Jesus. Uh, nobody can stop me from praying for that, that, that family member who, who doesn't know Christ and needs to know Jesus. So I'm going to keep pursuing, keep being obedient and going wherever he sends me, wherever it may be, because hear me, we can't stop. 
We can't stop no matter what somebody thinks about us, no matter what their opinion may be about us, uh, no, matter, uh, no, no matter what may get out about our past, we, we've got to keep going. We've got to keep progressing the gospel. That's what we're called to do. Progress the gospel. Which brings us to the second point. I've got to take this jersey off. It's hot. And my past is gone. Right? I've been made new. Oh, man, what a, what a point. God, all over this, y'all. Hang with me. Hang with me. The second point we're going to see is this. Mark 6, 7 through 13. He sent on a mission a little underdressed. Sent on a mission a little underdressed. Kind of, kind of an, a catchy little title, interesting little thing here, uh, is it not? So they're sent on a mission a, a little underdressed. Uh, anyone else do this? This is a little bit of crowd participation. I need, I need some feedback. I need your help here for just a moment. Anyone else? Do this? When you go on a trip, maybe you take extra stuff just because you don't know what's coming. I heard laughing. Oh, this is going to be good. I see those hands. God bless. This, this, oh, this is going to be good. Good. Okay, perfect. So, so, so you do that too, right? You just, you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, you check the weather, but just because it's summer and it's going to be 100 degrees all week, it might snow even though. So, so why would I not fill the suitcase? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going on a trip. I've got to take what I've got to take and what I need. You know what I mean? Got to have it. And if, and if that thing isn't full then I've not done myself and this trip and the people around me justice, right? So, so what are some of those things that you just you have to have on a trip that's maybe a little overkill? Anybody brave enough? Shoes. Yeah, girl, I'm with you. I got a match, you know? I, I'm, 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 I've got problems, too. Hair gel, yes. Y'all, my people. See, I told you we were right at home. Extra shoes, hair gel. What else we got? Socks, yes, because you know two things that you don't go anywhere without is socks and, and underwear, right? Something happens, Lord forbid. Mama raised you, right? That's good. What else? Raincoat. Did I hear gloves? Clothes. Clothes, yep, 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 extra clothes. Raincoat. Any, huh? Phone charger, that's right. Extra phone charger. Handbag. Hat bag. Hat bag, okay, hat bag for all your hats. I was like, handbag, what do you do with a handbag? Yeah, yeah. Pray, pray for our staff. Did somebody say blanky? Blank, blanky. Okay. Like, like, is this like like one of those upbringing like? Okay, electric throw. Okay, because I, she's gonna kill me. I love you, boo. You know it. Pillow, but snacks. Oh yeah, I've got kids. Gotta have snacks. Ah yes, extra more. The, we may just fill a whole thing like that just for snacks because I've got three and they're all boys and they're hungry. Sweatshirt, okay, sweatshirt, toothbrush, extra toothbrush, just the extra, you never know, you don't want those things, okay, well, well my wife, love her heart, love you, um, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, don't forget that, um, <laughs> she has got her blanket from when she was a baby, yeah, we, we cannot, free, like, we've been almost back home and had to turn around and go get it, because I forgot it, that's not my blanket that she has to have. And I'm thinking, she's got me, why does she, anyway, so, um, so, but, but no, but, but we, we, all kinds of things, right? Like, like, we just, all kinds of different things that we'll pack and that we'll put together, and maybe even some of it's overkill, maybe not, but, but look at what Jesus says here in Mark 6, 7, he says this, and he called the twelve and began to send them out two by, uh, two by two, and gave them authority over unclean spirits, so, so. 
What happens here, Jesus gets his disciples, gets, gets his guys, and he starts to send them out. He's like, okay, you're going to go. I want you to go. I want you to share. I want you to live. I want you to, to do this. And look at what he does. He gives them authority over unclean spirits. He, he anoints them is what he does. He gives them purpose. He gives them mission. He gives them uh, authority. He gives them the ability to do some things that are outside of them. And, and church, I just want to press you here because he's done the same thing for us. Now, now you may not be walking up to people, smacking them in the head, and the demon runs, but, but what he has given you is his spirit in you that allows you to live and to be and to do things that are outside of who you are even. He's given you that boldness and that ability because the spirit's living in you. The same thing for us. He's given us authority over and the ability to live for him, the ability to proclaim, the ability to do in a way that brings him glory and honor. We've got the Holy Spirit living in us. You need to remember that. You need to know that, that, that if you're here this morning as a child, born-again believer, alive in Christ, man, man, you have the anointing of God on you. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you. You've got the ability to go share and proclaim and do for his glory that's going to draw people to him all the more. You've got that ability and authority to do that and to live that way. And then it kind of takes a weird little, uh, little turn here for just a second in verse 8. Maybe, maybe not. Charge them to nothing for their journey except a staff. Staff, kind of to walk, kind of a plate thing to lean on, kind of a thing to, to help there a little bit. Charge them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. And then, and then look, he says, no bread. So those extra snacks, uh-uh, you don't need that. No bag, no money in your belt. I mean, I mean so, so you're, you go on a trip and you're leaving your wallet? I mean, I know this isn't 2022, but, but still, I mean, there, there, nothing... But wear, but wear, but to wear sandals and not even put on two tunics. The shoes on your feet. But and here, kind of in this context, what would happen is those who were uh, uh, overly blessed or who were kind of uh, carried some clout in the day or were, were popular uh, uh, people or had positions. Would sometimes they would wear two tunics to kind of symbolize that or kind of uh, uh, show that. And so Jesus sends them out and he tells them to take nothing, nothing. And so it seems a little light. Uh, on the luggage for mission trip, doesn't it? Um, I mean, like, like when we have mission trips, we encourage people not to all the extra crazy stuff. But, but, but listen to me. You, you need, if I'm going on a mission trip, you need at least more than just one pair of drawers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these were Bennett's. I didn't have time to grab mine, and that would just be weird. So this is my... And we want visitors to come back, and that would have been pastor appreciation. Don't forget, you love me. Um, but if I, going on a mission trip, I'm taking more than just one set of drawers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I need, I, I need some things. But Jesus tells them not to. So, so why the reason for the light travels here? Look, look in verse 10. He says to them, wherever uh, ever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them of a picture of disassociating themselves from them. They've, re- they've uh, rejected the disassociated ourselves from them. We've identified them as are in their great, great need. And so I believe maybe two things here, just kind of maybe reading into or just knowing what I know about the Lord and his heart. Why, why would he do this? The light travels. Why would, why would he say this? I, I, it's because of dependency. 
We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that here in just, just a second. We'll talk about dependency in a minute. But I think another reason is this right here. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. So he says when you go into a town, into a village, into a place, uh, you need to find someone. And as you find someone, you, you need to be settled with who you find. When you find them, just be them. Don't be looking for something else, something bigger, something better. Oh, man, I just got this one little uh, village with, or this little hut with, with two rooms. I'm looking like for, for a five-room pad. You know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've got, I'm expecting some friends to come in. No, no he said be, be content and satisfied and settled uh, with, where, with who you are. And I believe it's just a picture for us church too. Also, uh, that, that we need to help each other out. What we see in the book of Acts lived out, that they loved each other, that they cared for each other. Man, we should be the most supportive people on the planet for each other. We should be the most caring people on the planet for each other. We should be for each other like no one else on this planet has ever seen or experienced. And I believe he's just trying to teach them and show them, hey, you need to get there. You need to find a place that you can, that you can work, you can be in, connect yourself with those people, stay there until, until you're called away. And I think there's something about this dependency. Are you dependent on God? I mean, like, are you truly dependent on Him? How satisfied and content are you with where God has you? How satisfied and content are you with where God has you? I'm, I'm afraid we're just way too fast at hitting the eject button. And if we could just get to the place where we see God is working and doing even in whatever the end may be. Maybe it's not what you want in the moment. Maybe it's not what you're thinking of for yourself. But, but maybe even in that moment, God's got a purpose and a plan that he's trying to work and that he's trying to do and what he wants to accomplish in those moments. So if we could just get to the place where we see God is working and doing. I'm good and what God has for me is good. So I'm going to be content in God no matter what. No matter what. And hear me, that, that's easy to say and hard to do, is it not? That, that, that is super easy to say right now but it's very very hard to do when tomorrow comes and I gotta go you I, I get to go back to work here I like work here but you have to go back to work wherever you have to go back to work or you have to go to this place or you have to go back to to that situation that circumstance and, and so it's easy to say that but harder to do and the way you know whether or not you're dependent on God is how satisfied and content are you in him where he has you what he's doing in you what he's doing through you how satisfied and content are you? Verse 12, so, so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. So they're there, they're connected to, uh, as, as they're working and sharing and doing life with and, and living out and being and, and doing the things that God has called them to do. They go out and they proclaim, they tell people that they should repent. And that should be our message today, church. That we, we tell people the truth about the current situation. And that they should repent. Repent is to turn. Turn what? The world and turn to God. That's what we're called to do. Same message, same. Verse 13, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and they healed them. So they accomplished and they did what God had called them to accomplish. And we need to understand, same thing happens for us. If we're submitted to, if we're obedient to, if we live for and give our life over to, God do the exact same thing in us because there is a world that is in desperate need of the love of Christ. There is a world that is in desperate, desperate need of Jesus. Some who don't, do not know it and have never seen it and never realized it, some who do, and we're called to, to, to reach the world. We're, we're called to go after the heart of man, and the way we do that is with the gospel. It's the gospel. The result 
to Him. He's given us to go and make. We need to get involved. We need to be a part of. That's what we're called to do. So the takeaway here is here, is this. To be faithful to God and obedient with what He has called us to in this day. Be faithful and obedient for what He's called us to even just in this day. Man, if we would just walk out when we leave this place, what He's called us to. So when we go eat lunch, to take the joy that God has given us with us and to share that with, with whoever we come in contact with. To, to look for those opportunities to have conversations or to look for those opportunities to have, have uh, uh, opportunities to point to the glory of God. So to be faithful to God and obedient what he's called us to in this day, which is to our final little portion of Scripture here, Mark 6, 14 through 29. JTB is just the initials of John the Baptist and a righteous life rewarded. A righteous life rewarded here. And so it's, a little, it's going to seem a little fun. It's not going to appear that way, but just, just with me till the end here, and, and I'll get us, get us somewhere, I, pr- I promise you. Uh, so a righteous life rewarded. What happens is um, you've got this, this picture of the disciples. They're out there, the two by two. They're, they're going through all these villages, these different places, being obedient to what Jesus has told them as he sent them out. And then you have kind of almost like this, this flashback or this kind of jump over to this portion of the story. Uh, in verse 14, King Herod heard of it. For Jesus' name had become known. So this, this is great. King Herod, he's, he's become aware. He, he's been made aware of, known uh, uh, some things that Jesus is doing. He's hearing. And so then some say John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That's why these miraculous powers are working him. But others said, no, no, it's, he's Elijah. Others said, no, he's, he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of, of old. And, and so what this is is a flashback to the life of John the Baptist, and it's going to uh, show us how he steps into the other, uh, uh, onto the other side of glory. And so King Herod is made aware of the news of all of this because of what the disciples are doing. And then even look at, look at King Herod for a moment here in verse 16. It says, but when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been like a guilty conscience, doesn't it? It kind of sounds like he's kind of got some issues, some things he's trying to work through, some things, some things that he's trying to figure out. He's been unsuccessful of getting over some things that maybe he did or allowed to happen to John. So what, what is that? Herod had John put in prison. Herod had John put in prison. And as we're going to see here in a second, Herod has married his brother's wife, which is never a good thing to do. Never a good thing. He's married his brother's wife while she's still married to his brother. And so what does John the Baptist do? He calls him out multiple times is the way that this reads. Verse 18, it says this. It says, for John had been saying to Herod, saying, it's, it's this thought of, of ongoing, this ongoing conversation. And, and even with it, it's this thought of, of, of in the private. It's not like he's out on the corner uh, screaming and declaring, Herod, that, that guy who's, got, uh, who's married his brother's wife, who's, I mean, he's jacked up, he's messed up, he's got some, he, that's, not the, uh, that's not the rendering and the reading of this. It leads us to believe that John has approached, John has had conversation, John has loved him and cared for him enough to tell him the truth in private. And so he says, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And so what I would press us here with this church is this, is that we must proclaim truth to any and everyone, no matter their position and power. You got a boss, you tell him about Jesus. You, you got a mother-in-law, you tell her about Jesus. You got an opportunity and you're in politics, you tell them about Jesus. You are a teacher in the public school, you tell your kids about Jesus. 
you work uh, wherever and it's you tell them about Jesus. Well, because that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter who they are. Now, there's a tactful and right and good way to do that. And what we can read and pull from this story is that John has been doing that. That John has, has approached and done that in a way that would honor God and be good. But, but, but we have got to proclaim truth. We've got to proclaim truth. We've got to tell of the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. We've got to proclaim it. Look at 19. Now we see what starts to get Herodias uh, had a against him. That, that's who Herod's wife was. That's his brother's wife. Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. Well, because she didn't hold a position that would allow her to do that. Herod did. And so what can we draw from this? The world hates to be confronted, doesn't it? The darkness hates to be made aware of the light. Always. It, it, can't, it can't stand the light. What does the darkness want to do? It wants to shut up. It wants to silence. It wants to get it away with completely anything that goes against uh, its standards or the world's thought or the world's uh, workings. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the double standard. Anybody else? Like, like I'm tired of the double standard. If we stand up and say something against something, then it's hate. But if the world does that, then it's not hate, and it's all-inclusive, and it's, and, it's, and it's gracious and loving, and it's liberating, and it's freedom. But if the church says something against something, if a believer says something against something, then, then we are hateful, we are mean, we are practicing hate speech. And I'm just here to lovingly tell you that that's not going to go away. That's just going to get worse. So what we need to do is right now, on this day, condition ourselves and prepare our hearts for what's coming. If you look at history, if you look at the scriptures, look at what happens to the disciples, if you look at what happens to Jesus, the darkness cannot stand the light. Darkness does not want to have what they're doing, their motives, their heart. They don't want it revealed. They don't want it to be made known. They don't want to have that questioned or asked or seen or pressed on. So it's not going anywhere. So what do we do? We lovingly press in. We lovingly proclaim truth, but we point to reality that's implanted in everyone is what the scriptures teach, is what the scriptures say. That's what we do. Because anything that's considered contrary is hate. And we can't let thinking infiltrate the church. We can't let that thinking infiltrate the church. If I know, headed down a road, that could lead to destruction. What is hate is for me not to let you know that. What is wrong is for me not to make you aware of. Now, I think the issue is the church, we've, we've done a bad job of letting people know. See, see John the Baptist, I believe, most. because I mean, John the Baptist was a rough dude, right? I mean, he's eating bugs, honey. I mean, hairy stuff he's wearing. I mean, like, like he's like a man's man out back. I mean, I, I just, I think of Crocodile Dundee right now. I don't know why. Probably because my medicine's wearing off and it's getting close to that time. But I'm like, I'm like, hey, mate. And like, he pulls out his big, like, the one guy has a little knife. And he's like, oh, that's cute. That's your knife. And he pulls out his knife. And it's like a machete that's like this. I mean, like, he's like a man's man, right? Like, John the, that's John the Baptist. When was the last time you ate a bug just because you needed some more protein? But what is he doing? He's talking to the king. He's in the king's ear. And, and you're going to see something amazing here in a minute in this story of, of the impact that he has. Though it, did, it didn't hang tight or it didn't, it didn't penetrate fully, but, uh, but, but something happens crazy in it. 
That's what we're talking about. John the Baptist over John chapter 1. So church, that's just a beautiful picture of how we should be. Yeah, they may not agree with us. They may think we're crazy. They may think we've lost it. They may even take it as hateful and hate and, and whatever else. But do you know how you counter that? Is you, you kill them with kindness and love. Say whatever you want to say about me. That's cool. This is what I believe, and the reason why I believe this is because there's a God that has created everything, and he has given us his standard. He has given us his way, and so, yes, we believe what we believe because we've drawn it from this, and, and the words in this matter, and they mean, and, they, they, and we try to, even churches, they try to dance around this. That doesn't work. Let this mean what it means, and let it say what it says. And let's submit to it, because here, hear me, there are things in here I don't like. But what I've learned is not ask my opinion, and whenever I try to do the things my way, that I don't like of his way, it never ends well for me. So I'm going to default to the creator. I'm going to default to the one who, who, who is wired and made and done and worked. And when someone comes against me and disagrees with the truth that God has spoken, that's fine. You can call it what you want to call it. But you know what? I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to be like a Labrador puppy. And when I see you, my tail is going to wag, and I am going to just love on you, and I'm not going to lick on you, but, but you know, I'm trying to get you a picture in your head. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that dog, like when you come in, like, so I'm going to be at your house with cookies. Man, I'm going to invite you over to my house. We're having steaks tonight. You're, I want you there. But I just said that you're, I don't care. Come on. If you truly knew me how God knew me, you would say a lot worse, so come on. Uh, I mean, I mean uh, will that, would that not confound and confuse the world? Man, if we did it like that, you're saying all this stuff about me and against me, but, but you want to give me gifts? You want to wash my car? You, 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 on my birthday, you bring me a card? But I'm, it's okay. That's cool. I'm going to love you and I'm going to show you. I'm going to love you and I'm going to show you. See, we always stand for truth and shine for light. Always. But we need to do it with love and with grace. Look at Herod's response here in verse 20 to, to John the Baptist. We're, we're, we're winding up, I promise. John the Baptist. Here, look at this response. Verse 24. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man. So, so there's some fear, there's some awe there. And he, and he kept him safe. So Herod's keeping him safe. Herod, I think, believes that he knows what his crazy um, uh, wife wants to do to him. She didn't like the fact that he was, was saying the things he was saying to Herod, so she wanted to get, away, get, get rid of the problem. And so when he heard him, look at this. This is Herod. When Herod hears John the Baptist, he was what? Greatly perplexed. And yet he heard him gladly. He didn't like the message. He didn't want to receive the message. But he was greatly perplexed. What does that mean? Greatly perplexed means this. There is an internal conflict going on within Herod. There is this oral struggle that's happening deep within his soul of what his heart desired and what he knew to be right. His heart longed for joy in the moment, pleasure in the day, having what he wanted to have and being satisfied in that. But his soul knew that there was something more to what John was saying, and he saw John live and be in such a way that, that he is perplexed and he is, he's in turmoil within is what's happening. And church, that, man, if we, would, if we would live this way, the same thing I believe would happen. And I know history shows that we have done a, a, a bad job at this, but you know what? Today's a new day. Today's a, today is a new day. Today is a day where God's grace and mercy has been renewed. 
have the opportunity to do this. We tell the truth about the gospel no matter what, right? Romans 1.16 tells us not to be ashamed of the gospel. The power of salvation. So as, as crazy or as old school or as backwards as the gospel may sound, calling out sin, loving people enough to tell them the truth, telling them about Jesus, his sacrifice is crazy and as backwards as that may be. That is where the power is found. And the reality of who Jesus Christ is and what he has accomplished and done on the cross for sinful, wicked man. So we tell them the truth and then we live it out. We, we, we tell them the truth and then we live it out and we let the Holy Spirit work and do. And we confuse the heck out of them. You want to abuse me and use me? I'm going to serve you. You want to talk bad about me? I'm going to love you. You want to do all this stuff to me? Well, this is what I'm going to do in response to that. I'm going to love you like Jesus would. I mean, well, that, that's what John the Baptist has been doing. That's what's happening. And how does the story unfold? So, so a day arrives here, verses 21 through 28. The day arrives. Herod throws his big birthday party. He invites all the important people that, that's there in Galilee. He does that. Uh, Herodias' daughter uh, enters the banquet. She's there. Uh, has, he has her dance for the guests, which that's kind of jacked up and messed up to begin with. But uh, that's what I love. If you ever struggle with, is the scriptures true? Like, why do they put stuff like that in there? But anyway, so Herodias' daughter, his wife's daughter, dances for everyone and the guests there at the banquet. She charms Herod and the guests. And so what happens is Herod tells her, I'll give you anything you want. Any, anything that I have, you want of this kingdom. It's yours. And so she goes back to her mom, asks her mom, what, what should we get? What should I take? What, should, what do I need to ask for? And her mom sees it as a perfect opportunity. And she tells her, you need to ask for John the Baptist's head. And she goes back and she asks for the head of John the Baptizer. And what happens? Herod calls for and serves up his head on a platter. Well, because he was unwilling to lose face. It mattered and it counted and he was unwilling to lose face with his guests. And so he gives what she asked for. Cuts off his head, platter, presents it to the girl. She immediately takes it and gives it to her mother. And then verse 29, it says this, that when his disciples heard of it, they came, they took the body, and they laid it in a tomb. So we said that a righteous life rewarded. How is this a reward? A righteous life, John the Baptist, righteous man. Uh, no, greater than him, born of woman. How is this a reward? This is a reward because the gospel continues to spread. The, the gospel continues to go on. Why? Because he did this. This is our takeaway. Because he stood for what God said is right, no matter what it cost, even if it cost him his life. Church, we stand for what's right, what's holy, what's good, what's pleasing to God, no matter the cost, even if it's our life, even if it's our job, even if it's our family, even if it's our... You list it. Hear me? I know it hurts. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. Scripture tells us that, that there's going to be a cost for following Jesus. But every other thing this world offers pales in comparison in comparison. So the reward was this. The gospel goes forth and cost him his life. And that was a small cost for the spread of the gospel. What about you? You die today. What's said of you tomorrow? You die today. Does the gospel keep going in your family? You die today. Is your community changed as a result of it? Your life is taken today. What's the legacy you leave? John's was the gospel. John's was the glory. He was the front runner of Christ. It continues to progress. So as the band comes back up and as we close, I just want to ask you a few questions. The question is this. Are you struggling to reach someone who knows you?
Are, are you struggling? And, and maybe even it's someone that maybe don't know you from the past, but they, they've known you from the last uh, few years. Maybe somebody you work with, and maybe you've, uh, you, you've acted like a crazy wild whatever at work, or you've, you've been like this out in the, com- in, in the community, in your yard, whenever, whatever. And you know you need to reach your community. You know you need to reach your workplace. You know you need to reach your circle. What do you do? You, you pray, and you start living a righteous, holy life before them. And, and, and you take... You take on whatever it is that they claim, whatever it is they say, you own it. Hear, hear me, like I, I heard a story this week and it just, oh, it, it burnt me up. Well, Mary and I was out on a little date night Friday night and we're sitting there um, uh, and, and right now in the, in, in the Georgia, um, in, in Georgia with, with their uh, um, politics and stuff like that, Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker was this amazing running back in college, NFL, had a great, uh, a great uh, um, NFL career and, and he's running for a position in government. Something's come up in his past. He's come out as being completely against abortion. And I don't know if the story's true or not. I don't know. And I know like in those realms and those places, like you want to save face and it's all about opinion. What do they think of me? What will they, will they, I want them to like me and vote for me. And I want to, and I, I don't know, the, I don't know the truth of the story. And, and Mary and I are talking and it kind of frustrated me that it's even been brought up. And, and has he addressed it? Has he not addressed it? Has he been truthful? Has he not? I don't, just, just own it and let's go, man. So whatever they have to say about you, your past, whatever, even, even if it's been a year ago, six months ago, who knows? Uh, man, the working of God in your life can change and shape, and that's not how God sees you. You need to remember that. If you're his, it's not how he sees you. Until you need to understand and know something, that, that we're going to screw up, we're going to mess up, we're going to blow it, and what we do is we own it, we repent, and we continue to follow. So let them say what they need to say and you take what you need to take and you own it. You own it. And you repent of it. You ask for forgiveness to whoever you need to ask forgiveness of. And then you live for Jesus unapologetically. Because you know what? You're probably going to mess up and blow it some other time down the road. But because we are fighting tooth and nail to kill the old man. And sometimes the old man, I'm talking about the old nature, rears his head and gets the best of us. So what do we do? We apologize, we make right, and we keep walking. I, I don't know about you, but for me as a dad, this is the biggest fear of my life right here. I do not want to screw my boys up. And I don't want to blow it for them so much so that they want nothing to do with Jesus. So do you know what I do often? Because I do. I, I, I parent wrong sometimes. I discipline too hard sometimes. I'm, I'm too difficult on them. I'm too critical on them. I'm too this, 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 and this on them. And so do you know what? The, the greatest phrase for me as a daddy is this, son, I'm sorry. And I'll get down on my knee and I will look them in the eyes and I'll say, Bennett, buddy, daddy was wrong. And I know we live in a day and an age where I'm a man. You know, no, he's my kid. He's going to listen. He's going to uh, no, Dad, that, that will destroy him. And they want nothing to do with the Jesus that you proclaim. Because he's nothing like that. So let's model him and live out him. And so, so for me as a dad, that's the, and, and that's the greatest phrase in my marriage that's the greatest phrase in my relationships because I mess up probably more than I nail it. So we own it. We repent. We continue walking for the glory of God. If we're struggling to reach someone that knows us, you live for Jesus and let that shine and show. The second thing I would say is this. What has God called you to? What does dependency on him look like? In- I don't know why I just jotted down this little note. Safety nets are not needed with God. Safety nets are not needed with God. 
You don't need a plan B. You don't need a, a, a backup. You don't, you don't need that. Why? Because safety nets are not needed. If he's called you to it like he did them, he anointed them and gave them power over demons. Church, he's in the same thing for us. So what has he called you to go do for his glory and for his renown and his great name? You, 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 don't, you don't need a plan B. You don't need a backup. You don't need to try to work things. You just need to follow in glad obedience. And the third thing I would say is this. Living in right standing with God puts you in opposition to the world. Do you feel the pressure? Do you feel the pressure? Because if you don't feel pressure, you're probably not living the way that Christ would want you to live. Just love me enough to say the truth. If you don't feel some sort of judgment or some sort of pressure or, or uncomfortable in your workplace or in the world or, or wherever you go, then maybe you're not proclaiming truth like Christ has called you to proclaim truth. Because if we look at the stories in Scripture, and we even know it, Jesus said, hey, don't forget, they hated me first. They go come after you. But remember, they hated me first. And greater am I in you. Just remember that. So living in right standing with God puts you in opposition to the world. There better be pressure there that we feel. And so in that, we still proclaim truth and love with grace. The world may hate us and the truth but may it perplex them in ways that draws them to God. Hate me, say whatever you want to say, do whatever you want to do to me in my life, that's fine, whatever. I mean, I'm going to still pursue, and I'm going to still, I'm going to still care for, and I'm going to still pray for. I'm going to go after with the power of the gospel and the anointing of God in my life as his son, as his son. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what got stirred in your mind. I've got three more points we could go with. Anybody skip lunch? No? Okay, well, next week. But may, may stir this morning. May you be obedient. If you don't know him as Lord and Savior, man, we'd love to have a conversation with you about what it looks like. And if you're struggling in any of these areas, man, we'd love to pray with you. If you just want to come pray, you be obedient to the Lord in this moment. Father, help us follow more closely. God, help us seek you all the more. Father, help us be obedient to, run after everything in us after you, for you, for your glory, your great name. Jesus, help us be the church and the people that you've called us to be. Stir. Then we pray. Amen.